We will continue where the scripture reading left off by reading 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. Have you ever eaten a meal, a nice dinner with anyone who might be a cook themselves, and they look at what's being eaten and they ask, what's in it? They try to figure out what is in it, what makes this so good? What is it made of? Most of us just eat, giving thanks to God for it and hope for the best. But I understand the idea. Well, the question here today is what are we made of? Early on, I, as a boy, I remember being told that girls were made of sugar and spice and everything nice. Boys? Well, not, not so much. And we may object to the characterization. It's snips and snails and puppy dog tails. But, and we do, we object to the characterization, although I, I can see it, having brought up a girl and a boy. Our daughter went to class early on and was told that the environment makes the difference between boys and girls, but meantime, her little brother, who could hardly walk or talk, was, was grunting and playing soon robbers, cops and robbers, and she was playing dolls and all of that. They hadn't been uh, taught that. They were just, they were different. So common sense and biology still say the same thing. We're different because God made us different from our uh, mother's womb. But what, what are you made of? What am I made of? Well, we're made of certain elements. Most agree that we're made of 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 9.5% hydrogen, 3.2% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1.2% phosphorus, and about a dozen other elements. Or put another way, 62% water, 16% uh, protein, 16% fat. Sorry about that, but I didn't do it. 6% minerals, 1% carbohydrates. So that's basically what we're made of. And if we were to sell the elements that make us, us, we would find that we might be worth more than $100. But that's about it. So what, what makes us worth something is the fact that God breathed into man the breath of life and we became a living soul. So that 
is where our value is found. God made us. And without God, well, life becomes futile. When we understand that God made us and has a purpose for our lives, uh, then we, we understand the meaning of life and we are determined to please Him. Well, the challenge here to the saints at Corinth seems to be for them to consider what they were made of and to help them understand that Paul employs the metaphor of a construction project. In verse 9 we heard, read, ye are God's building. And had we continued, we would clearly understand you're the temple of God. In verse 16. So we have the foundation, which Paul declared to be Christ. And so when he came uh, preaching, he preached the cross, which was to them who perish foolishness, but to us who are saved the power of God. And the epistle concentrates heavily upon the cross and Jesus' crucifixion toward the beginning of this epistle and the resurrection uh, toward the end of this epistle. But from cover to cover, it's about Christ. And that, or rather he, is the foundation of, of any structure called a human life. Human knowledge, Paul says, is foolishness when compared to divine revelation. And it was revealed to uh, Paul on the road to Damascus that it was Jesus whom he persecuted. He found uh, that his wisdom, and as far as uh, the world's wisdom, he had plenty of it, but stacked up against what God now revealed to him, he understood that it was foolishness. In the natural man, we read through Paul's writings, is incapable of discerning spiritual matters. That's why we must be born again. In our unsaved state, we cannot possibly comprehend the, the plan of salvation nor the benefits of, of serving the Lord. So Jesus is the foundation. There's a wise master builder, which Paul claimed he was, he was implementing the plan that the architect, if you will, God instituted from before the foundation of the world. So it was not Paul's plan. He was merely the builder. And it was up to him to follow the plan. God has drawn a plan for your life and for mine as well. It may not be revealed in its entirety, unlike what a builder sees when he lays out the blueprints and uh, understands what the end product will look like. We don't know what the end product will look like. We don't even know what tomorrow holds. But we know and are confident that God has a plan for us. We, we want to discern it as we go along, for we, we know that the outcome will be just what God intended if we follow it carefully and build our life uh, accordingly. But that's why uh, even James says, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this or do that. We 
at times pray that God will bless our plans, but we want rather to lean upon God's plan and follow what His plan is, not uh, requesting Him to give His blessing upon what we have innovated in our human limited wisdom. So we have the foundation, we have the, the master builder. And in terms of the master builder of your plan, you're the builder. I'm the builder of mine. I don't build your life nor you mine. We, we lean upon the Lord to guide us. But the building project, as I said, in, in a sense, it's the church. And that's what Paul was uh, saying to the, the saints at Corinth. But in another sense, it's every individual within the church. We're building a life. And corporately, we, we represent a body of believers, but individually, we're responsible for how we build. And that's what he said, you heard read in the scripture, let every man take heed how he buildeth. We certainly want to take heed. The quality of the structure is contingent upon uh, the material used during the project. If we use shabby material during the project, even if it looks good on the exterior. Eventually, what exists on the interior will be revealed. And that's what we're leading up to here. Some had not been building well. You heard read uh, in part that there was envy, there was strife, uh, there was division in this uh, body of believers, quarreling and disputing. Some let it be known that they preferred Paul, others Apollos, others yet we find in the first chapter Cephas or Peter, and others yet um, Christ. Well, we all prefer Christ, and if we subject ourselves to the order he has implemented, it will go well with us. They had also... Uh, as, as we continue through this epistle, uh, winked or looked the other way, but not only looked the other way or winked at, but also uh, somewhat endorsed immoral uh, conduct and uh, strife uh, between uh, brothers. They desecrated the Lord's Supper by not properly discerning uh, the Lord's body. A number of other issues that Paul addressed this group as a culture and as a society, even if not entirely in this church, boasted in their knowledge and their understanding and their philosophy. But uh, they came to understand through Paul's instruction that uh, the best that the human mind can offer is represented as wood, hay, and stubble. You would never build a structure using those elements, if you will, because it will not stand the test of time. He contrasted the traits or the elements of the spirit to those of the flesh and let it be known that we want to build by the material that is characterized by gold, silver, precious stones, that which is enduring and uh, that which is rooted in the wisdom of God. But then he he said in our, in our text, verse 12, every man's 
13, rather, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. It shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. In one sense, he's, he's speaking of the end of time when he says the day shall declare it. But the result at the end of time is a product of the material used during time. So in another sense, what we're made of is revealed during time. How we're building is tested while we journey in this Christian way. And the tests or the trials or the fires of life will disclose or will reveal, will make manifest, will expose what we're made of. If we're made of gold and silver, precious stones, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the test of time will reveal that. If it's otherwise, otherwise, then that shall be disclosed as well. Even Jesus, he employed the metaphor of the, of the, the wise and foolish man, the storm. The storms came, the winds blew, and then there was a collapse of those who had the foundation uh, on the sand, they didn't build right even beyond that, but those who built upon the, the, the rock and employed the, the good material, those structures withstood the storms of life. Well, we may not have storms or fires, but we are confronted with spiritual forces that will test us. This uh, that we're engaged in is a spiritual warfare. Whether we've begun to serve God or not, we have to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. This is the battle of good versus evil. Good will prevail, but at the expense of those who don't build their lives according to the Word of God. May we be challenged. May we look within and ask the question that Paul challenged those at Corinth to ask, what am I made of? What exists there? Because if we see where we can improve or adjust or change material, then we can employ corrective measures. If not, uh, the outcome will, will not be favorable. Even later, Paul said when it came to the Lord's Supper. He said, let a man examine himself. You know, it's easier to examine your neighbor. It's easier to look at what you judge to be the content of someone else's character. But that's not the challenge here. Uh, the challenge is to look within, to see what we're made of, and to see uh, and, and ensure that we can withstand the, the forces that will come against us by the enemy of our soul. And again, he said in the second Epistle or Second Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves, whether you you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. So we we self-examine. We look within. When storms of life come, we ask ourselves, "Am I? Uh, what's being revealed by how I am responding to what God has allowed or sent my way?" And that will tell us. Um, well, it will tell us what we're made of. In Acts 18, we have Paul spending 
three Sabbath days, so at least three weeks at, uh, or rather, 18 months at the church of, of Corinth. And during that time, he had opportunity to meet with a variety of people. When we read through from cover to cover the epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, the first epistle, we, we see that he laid bare some of the problems that existed in the people of that church. And churches don't have problems. People have problems. And churches have people. So in this case, uh, there were those who needed to have uh, corrective uh, measures employed so that they could enjoy the unity that God intended that be enjoyed by the saints of God. Many proved to be building with the material that Paul recommended, gold, silver, precious stones, because when those same tests came to them, they stood firm. Aquila and Priscilla were two husband and wife team. They embraced the gospel. They were loyal to Paul's leadership. They traveled at times with him, and he characterized them as fellow helpers. So they... They were people that he could depend upon. They were also tent makers, which some believe means leather workers. Uh, either way, they were employed in the same uh, trade and helped support themselves therewith. But uh, eventually, when they had no place to gather, they held church in their home. That's uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And you know that they faced the same challenges that you and I face as we uh, travel through life. But they learned what they were made of as they examined their hearts. You know what Silas was made of. You wouldn't have known so much had he not been whipped, beaten with Paul, and at midnight cast into the inner prison. But at midnight, in the darkest of hours, we find out what both Paul and Silas were made of. They begin to thank God and to praise God when the circumstances shouted otherwise. But what was within is what came out. So it is with us. And Paul, or rather Silas, and eventually Timothy, came to Corinth while Paul was there during this time frame. We also learn of Justice, whose house, uh, we read, joined hard to the synagogue. So initially, initially uh, Paul met, as he often did, um, preaching to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles, he met in, in the synagogue and taught the people, and apparently the Gentiles, perhaps standing nearby, could hear what he taught. The Jews rejected the gospel, and he could no longer meet in the synagogue. But wouldn't you know it, there's this house of justice right next door, apparently even adjoining the Jewish synagogue. So he, he, he said, perhaps much to the dismay of those in the synagogue, let's meet in my house. So right next door, uh, they hold uh, church services, and uh, he withdrew, being a leader of the synagogue, from his leadership position and embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he heard it, uh, we find out what he was made of. He found out what he was made of. He wanted Christ and him crucified rather than the doctrine that was being propagated by those in the, the synagogue who had created all kinds of elements that they added to uh, the law of Moses, which became a hindrance. Well, when he stepped aside, the, the next ruler of the synagogue apparently was Crispus. We read of him there at Corinth. 
And he uh, would have gone, perhaps, we can let our imagination go, to hold service in the synagogue, just as justice had, had been. He would stand up that first uh, Sabbath day and say, well, justice is gone. There's a new sheriff in town. I'll, I'll, I'll take over from here. And he, he took over for a very short time, but somehow, some way, he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ next door, and wouldn't you know it, he embraced it. And before it was all over, uh, he was uh, beaten and Paul uh, said that he was one of those who was water baptized by Paul, along with perhaps Justice, whose um, surname was Gaius uh, Justice, and then also the household of, of Stephanus. Other than those, Paul baptized no one else, and he made a, a point of, of that because the, he wasn't asking them to follow him except that only that he followed Christ. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. He was trying to help them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. If we follow man, well, man will pass off the scene. That'll be the end of that. But if we follow Jesus, he lives forever. Then we have uh, Sosthenes, who we read about co-authoring this book. Uh, from the first verse of the first chapter, they they took him and actually he, he I may have misspoke I'm not sure a minute ago because he was the chief ruler of the of the synagogue and they beat him before the judgment seat and Galileo cared for none of these things so he did not garner any sympathy but. Again, we find out uh, what he was made of. So that's our challenge today, is to go before God and to ask him, Lord, what am I made of? What are the elements? Not oxygen and all that uh, rest. What material am am I building with? Am Am I building a right? If we're building a right, not only will the outcome be favorable, all of life will be favorable, not in the sense that you'll escape the fiery trial. They will come to everyone, but in the sense that you'll not just go through it uh, squeaking by. You'll go through it victoriously, even if they're very difficult, and they will be. Uh, nobody escapes that, but we need not escape the victorious conclusion either, nor the victorious life as we travel in this Christian way throughout. If you've not begun to serve the Lord, you're going to fight these trials as an unsaved individual. Much better to have Christ with you, the hope of glory, than to be alienated from Him and be traveling this journey on your own. We'll have this song of invitation. Let's go to prayer and ask God to reveal to us what we're made of.